Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. Philip sent me a question, and I've been asked this question before, but I decided it would be a good time to answer this question because I don't think I ever have addressed it in a video. But the subject line is SCOTUS question, a question about the Supreme Court of the United States. So we've got the Supreme Court of the United States. You hear about them from time to time. They make rulings that affect all of us, and they... Uh, make rulings sometimes that don't seem to affect anybody, as far as we know, but <laughs> they, they, they cover a lot of ground, let's, let's just say. So he said, Steve, I'm not too hip when it comes to civics, so excuse me if this is a dumb question, but it's not. It's not. But why is it that the Supreme Court does not review laws for constitutionality before they are sent to the president for signing? Thank you for taking the time to review my question, Phil. And now here's the thing. I've had a lot of people ask me, go, wait a second. So Congress passes a bill up on Capitol Hill. They go through that whole process. Then they send it to the president for signature. President signs it, shall we say. It becomes law. Uh, It's the law of the land. Somebody somewhere doesn't like it. They file a lawsuit. They go to court. Court rules against them, said, hey, it's a good law. They take that up on appeal. Court of appeal says, no, it's a bad law. And then uh, that gets appealed, Supreme Court accepts it, and uh, they review it, and they go, no, it's a bad law. And of course, this is like eight years after the law got passed, so there have been eight years of things happening that shouldn't have been happening because the law is no good. I'll give you an example here. Let's assume that the law was completely stricken, 100% was wrong. The law gets shot down. And uh, let's assume it was a long appellate process, too, or it took forever. So people say, wait a second, couldn't we have short-circuited that by simply inserting the Supreme Court either immediately before signature by the president, or maybe after? Maybe the president signs it and sends it over to the Supreme Court. So what do you guys think? The answer to this partly has a simple explanation, and that is how the powers of the various branches of government are described in the Constitution. Article 1 describes Congress. Article 2 describes the presidency. Article 3 describes the courts. And at the top of the court system is the Supreme Court. So if you go to Article 3, Section 2 of the Constitution, it says the judicial power of the court shall extend to all cases in law and equity arising under this Constitution, the laws of the United States, and treaties made, etc., etc. The judicial power of the court shall extend to all cases in law and equity arising under the Constitution or the laws of the U.S. So the question is, what are cases? What are cases? And cases are litigation or trials that have been filed in the courts. And so when a law gets passed by Congress, it is not a case. There is no case there. So their judicial power does not extend there. That's the first and most obvious one. But there's another one which is a little less obvious and it overlaps quite a bit, but this is true. Courts, for the longest time, I'm talking about before we were even a country, common law, courts have always, for the most part, said that the only thing that they are there to do is resolve disputes, settle arguments, and, and... take care of issues that are brought to them. So if you come to them with something that hasn't happened yet, 
but I think this might cause a problem down the road. Courts are very skeptical of getting involved in those hypothetical cases for a couple reasons, one of which is if somebody walked into the Supreme Court with, I don't know, Obamacare, the statute, the law that instituted Obamacare, it's probably about this thick. I, I, I don't know if my hand's far enough off camera yet. Uh, or the Patriot Act. The Patriot Act. Again, the statute was about this thick. So somebody walks in, and let's, let's assume this is the case. Somebody walks into the Supreme Court and says, we're about to pass this statute called the Patriot Act. Or we already have passed it. Here you go. Clunk. I brought nine copies. Clunk, clunk, et cetera, et cetera. Tell me that's, that's constitutional. Do you know how much work it would be to go through there and find everything that's wrong or right, assuming there's anything in there that's wrong? And again, I'm not arguing about the Patriot Act or Obamacare. I'm simply talking about those were very, very thick acts. <laughs> they were voluminous. And so it makes more sense when someone says there's a statute, but there's a problem in the statute at this one section where it says this one thing, this causes a problem. And most objections to statutes are like that. Occasionally, you hear people say, this entire statute is unconstitutional. We want the entire thing stricken. That does not happen very often, though. The vast majority of cases that get brought before the Supreme Court get brought there on specific issues within statutes. And so I think if you were to walk into the Supreme Court with a hand truck and nine copies of one of those statutes and say, I think there's something in here that's unconstitutional. Can you guys find it and you gals find it and point it out and, and, and strike that for us? They're going to go, no, that's not our job. It's not what we do. But the other thing is that the presumption is, and I don't know if this has gotten worse over time or not, because we tend to think everything is getting worse. But the presumption is that Congress knows the Constitution exists. The president knows the Constitution exists. And so they're supposed to be passing statutes that would not run afoul of the Constitution. So I think the presumption is that, well, they pass a statute, they know what they're doing, it'll probably be okay. However, if it runs afoul of the law down the road, someone will point that out to us, it'll work its way up, and then the Supreme Court can rule on it. And then it gets stricken. The real question is, how many bills become law, and then how many laws later get stricken in their entirety? And I don't think that number is that large. I could be wrong. If I am, please, someone correct me. I bet someone will. However, <laughs> I think the vast majority of the complaints are about sections within the law. Now, I've heard of some laws, if you struck this section, it would destroy the law, but that's a different thing altogether. So really what it is, is it's twofold, the answer here, that the Supreme Court doesn't weigh in on statutes because their judicial power extends to cases, not statutes. But number two, they always have had um, a desire to not get involved in cases that haven't become ripe for review yet. That is, there's nobody before them saying, this has harmed me and here's why I want you to look at this. It's someone simply saying, oh, I read this and I think it's a problem. As you can imagine, People might read something and go, I think I see a problem here. And someone else might go, I don't see it. So it's better when you let 
parties who are invested in it litigate it. You let those two parties weigh in on it, and then you ask yourself, is this controversy real? And if so, do we need to resolve it? And if so, it's a case, they have jurisdiction, and they can hear the case and make a ruling. So that is why uh, laws get passed, uh, they become law, and they're on the books until someone brings it before the Supreme Court, but they cannot bring it earlier than that because there's no controversy and their power doesn't extend that far. I hope that makes sense. (laughs) Questions or comments, put them below. Otherwise, Phil, thanks for sending that. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Leto's Law. Rainstorms will travel thousands of miles against prevailing winds for the opportunity to rain on a tent.